Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about pairing your favorite setting with your favorite rules system? So you mean like magical girls and one last job? Or like magical girls and lasers and feelings? Or like... And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes to us from Blake Ryan Batman, who asked us a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, on Twitter. Hey, Pandas Talking Games topic. Using a setting with a different rule set, like Dragonlance with Fate Core. See, Blake... Dreams really do come true. Um, and this is proof positive to what we say at the end of the show when I say, like, put your, you know, uh, put your topics in the list and someday we'll get to them. Like, this is like one of the, like, earliest topics that we never did. Yeah, like, someday. So, Phil, what do we need to know about pairing settings with rule sets? Yeah, let's uh, let's just do some basic definitions and we'll jump into this. What? So, a setting... <laughs> Setting is a world or location where the story of the game is going to take place. Uh, so it includes like, you know, descriptions and history and geography, cosmology and like all of that stuff. Uh, and our rule set is the mechanisms and procedures for our games. So things like character advancement and combat and spells and superpowers and all those things. And in many of these games, many of the games that we play, these two things can easily be broken apart. Yeah. So like Eberron and Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Or like right. Trail of Cthulhu and Gumshoe. Yep. So Ebron's our setting. Yep. D&D's our rule set. Yep. Trail of Cthulhu is one of the Gumshoe games. And then there's like a whole bunch of other Gumshoe games. Yeah. Uh, now, some games, uh, you get the rule set and you actually have to pair it with a setting. Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't default to a setting. Right. So that's your um, fate. Um, Savage Worlds. Are like that. I'm playing a Savage Worlds game right now, and it is a noir police procedural. Now, with some games, we fall in love with the whole package, the setting and the rules, and um, those are games that I love a lot right now because the mechanics have the ability to really reflect the kind of atmosphere that we want, right? But other times, we're just falling in love with a setting, and the rules are not actually as important as the setting is. Yeah, like in these cases, we find the setting really compelling and we love telling stories with with the backdrop. So like for me, this is Ebron. Like I love Ebron way more than I love D&D. Yeah. So like if you want to get me to play D&D, tell me we're playing Ebron. But if you also tell me that we're going to play Ebron with another system, like Christian Serrano's um, Savage Ebron, like I'm totally down with that. Right. Because you're much more attached to the system or the setting than the system. Setting. Mm-hmm. And then other times, so other times we really like the rule set and the setting itself is less important. Yeah. In these cases, we love the way the set of rules work and we're, you know, deriving our enjoyment from using those mechanics and procedures. Um, for me, this is like fate and actually fate and powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. Like those are two systems where 
I'll pretty much play anything. Right. At least in a one shot. I'll pretty much play anything that comes out of those two systems. Uh, just because I thoroughly and en- I thoroughly enjoy the experience I get from playing them. Well, I'll say this is why I think Fantasy Flight released Genesis, right? Because people oh, yeah. were enjoying their Star Wars rules so much with their crazy dice, which I really enjoy too. Um, that it was like, we want to be able to make this into a generalized thing that you can apply to everything else. Cause people were already hacking that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, Genesis is exactly the case where they've extracted the rule system from the, from the setting yeah. and now you can pair it with different settings. Yep. Yeah. All right. So all of that gets us to a time honored geek tradition. Mm-hmm. Where we start to pair things up, or in this case, we start to ship settings and rules. Yes, I ship it! So, I would run this setting, but with these rules, right? Yeah, which is a thing you can totally do, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it requires little to no work, because it depends on, um, you know, how well-matched they already are. Um, or if someone has, say, like in the in the, the instance of Genesis, already extracted um, the system for you if it's already generalized into something. But other times you're going to have to get into your, you know, your bits and pieces and put on, put your designer hat on and make some parts of the setting work in the rules more. And we're not really going to go into that because it's going to vary so much from system to system and from setting to setting. Yeah. So instead, we're going to do what we love to do best, which is we're going to talk about uh, shipping these things for one shots and for campaigns. Yep. So I'm going to cover how to ship your setting and rules for a one shot and how to get the most of that single session. I know that you're all shocked. And I'm going to uh, open all that up and explore it more deeply when we get into campaigns. Yeah. So for one shots, one shots are like the best places for these kind of combinations because they're temporary. I have to say it like that. They're temporary, right? They're these transient games that they just are not going to keep lasting, so you don't have to worry about making things actually work for forever. Um, You only have to hit kind of the major elements of the setting. You don't have to worry about all of the little details like advancement or having enough variety for multiple sessions, right? So when you do a pairing for a one-shot, there are some specific things that you need to address. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is major tropes and setting elements. So when possible, you want the rules of the game to have a mechanical effect on those tropes and elements. Yeah, so if you're doing a Fate version of Ebron, which I think would be amazing, um, mm-hmm. you're going to need to address dragon marks. And so you might make them into uh, an aspect or you might make them into an extra, depending on your um, on your particular bend and kind of how you're designing your fate, right? Like, I think I probably would do it as an extra, but I can see it both ways. Right. But it's a thing that needs to exist for it to be and feel like Eberron. And it needs to have a mechanical connection for the players to use, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Right. So you don't, I mean, you don't have to mechanize them, but you're going to get way more out of smooshing the setting and the game together if you do and you actually have rules related to the tropes because it will make your players actually play into them in a way that they won't unless they have some sort of mechanical feedback for it, right? So one of the fun parts of pairing rules and setting is seeing how the setting is expressed through the mechanics of the rules, right? Like how can you make it play like that? 
that's what's cool. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you are going to absolutely have to mechanize uh, in the game are characters. Yeah. So you're going to have to create characters in the rule system of the game in order to engage the rules during during play. And for the players, this is going to be the big part for them, right? Because the character or character types is like how you do it is going to be the big thing. Like how the characters are expressed or how the character types are written up um, in the system is kind of like the big draw because that's like the player's main gig, right? Like the players embody that character. So, you know, they want to be able to do the things that kind of go with that setting. And when you are putting characters together, you're going to find that mechanics basically fall into three buckets. Yeah. So usually you get the first set, which is this material. I can just use it in the rules just like it is. It works perfectly. We're done here. Let's go home. The the second bucket is you can use the material in the rules, but you may need to reskin some stuff, right? Or the third bucket would be I need to make new mechanics to fill in a gap here because this particular need that I have cannot be fulfilled by other rules in the game. Exactly. So if we use as an example Firefly uh, yeah. via Fate... Yeah. Um, material that we can use as is fighting and shooting are two of the skills from fate core and they mm-hmm. would be perfectly fine. There's both fighting and shooting in firefly. Indeed there are something that we would reskin the general knowledge skill in fate core is called lore, which doesn't mm-hmm. really sound very firefly. Not really. Right. So might want to just change that to like learning. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah, learning like sounds learnin'. like something that would come firefly. from firefly. Yeah. Uh, And then in terms of new stuff, like, we're going to need stats for ships. Fate Core doesn't, by default, have rules for ships. Now, they have rules for how to come up with those things, but um, we would have to make that stuff up new on the fly. Yeah. By the way, if you want to hear a in-depth discussion of Firefly and Fate... Um, go look for the Misdirected Mark episode where we talk about designing for Fate because I believe Firefly was our example and Chris and I nerd out pretty heavily on, uh, on Firefly <laughs> Turning and Firefly Fate. into Fate. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. So, so the next thing that you are definitely going to need for your one shot is opposition, right? So for the same reason that you need to make sure that you can mechanize the characters in this system you need to be able to do the same thing for their opposition, right? So opposition is, we're not just talking about the NPCs, although that's probably a big part of it. It can also be, um, you know, environmental opposition. You know, we could, in a very stereotypical D&D way, we'd be like traps and locks and, you know, hailstorms and stuff. Um, So these are the things that the characters are going to struggle against during play. You need to have mechanics for them. Yeah, and with these, you also want to leverage the rule system as much as possible because you want to create challenges that are going to be exciting to actually play through. Um, And you're going to really want to pay special attention to special abilities uh, Mm -hmm. because those are actually often harder to fit into a different rule set, but they're also like the really the place where you can do really cool things because anyone can, you know, like everyone's going to be able to swing a sword. But right. like how you express a fireball in this system is going to be, you know, where people are going to pay attention. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so let's let's do a little of that um, at a high level. And let's uh, let's do Fate Dragonlance like um, our original question asked. And yeah. uh, let's do the most iconic 
one of the most iconic things in Dragonlance, a dragon. Yeah. So we know that a dragon needs stats, right? And for the purposes of this example, we are going to talk about a chromatic dragon, not a metallic dragon, to be clear and nitpicky. Yep. Right. So we know it has armor because it's got its scaly skin, right? So we know it's going to be difficult to to hurt, right? So we want to use an armor rating. Yep. We know that it has a breath weapon, and that it's probably going to work best as some, like, cool stunt with a refresh attached to it. Like, how often can it do it? Yeah, so, like, maybe we want to make a stunt that's, like, called, like, breath weapon and Mm -hmm. uh, spend a fate point, attack all characters in a single area, right? This breath weapon does weapon three damage, places the aspect on fire on everyone who takes damage. So, clearly, this is a red dragon. This is a a red dragon, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we could do, if it was a green dragon, we would change that to, like, poisoned. Poisoned, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing that chromatic dragons and Dragonlance definitely have is that aura of fear, right? Which could also be expressed as a stunt. Yeah, so fear aura. When first encountered, the dragon makes a free create advantage check at plus five against the will of everyone who can see it. Uh, if it's successful, it creates the aspect fearful on, t- on those targets. Yeah, which just becomes a narrative thing that's really easy to play through, right? And for them to call on. Yeah. Totally. That would work really well. I would totally want to play Dragonlance and Fate. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> yeah, because then I could play at Kender again. Yes! Okay. I mean, your Dragonlance, even though we didn't write this down, right? So the Dragonlance ignores the armor rating and is still like a weapon three. Yeah, exactly. And actually, if I was gonna be if I was gonna be more distinct with it, um yeah. it only does damage to conditions. Like you cannot place the damage in a stress track. Uh-huh. So it just does straight condition damage it just only does... directly to dragons. Right. Yeah. Because Well because... and then and then you also probably need to like stat those orbs, right? Oh yeah, yeah, you totally gotta stat the orbs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the lance yep, yep. is definitely because in in all the descriptions, like the lance like slays dragons, right? So the fastest yeah, way in fate to slay something is to skip the stress. Give them track. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cool. All right. Onward, onward. Anyway, good. That was good. That was good. Yeah, so um, you don't actually need something crazy and original for every single encounter, but you should have something for the climax of the one-shot, um, something that's like has a lot of mechanical impact and feels very strongly of that setting, right? Because mm-hmm. then people will walk away being like, yeah, that was Dragonlance. We killed a freaking blue dragon that had like a dragon lord on it and, you know... Heard Tekis's scream, heard cries of anger, whatever it is, you know. But okay. So so with that, we have the makings of a fantastic one shot. But Phil, what more do we need to think about in a campaign that we haven't really thought about yet for a one shot? Yes. So when we get into campaigns, we're talking about the long game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything that you mentioned above is still important from a session to session aspect, right? We need good characters. We need good mechanized obstacles and we need to like hit all those, you know, major tropes and setting elements. So we still need to do all of that. But now as we're talking about campaigns, we need to look at the longer version of the game. And so we need to look at both the core loop and advancement. And we're focusing on these two things because they both address 
the main difference between a one-shot and campaign, which is multiple plays. Yeah. And a good campaign is one where the game is going to be interesting session after session after session. So let's just dig in and take a look at these. So when we talk about the core loop, the core loop of the game represents the central activity of a given game. And so while not every game has to be like, while not every session has to be about the core loop, the majority of the sessions that you play over the course of a campaign revolve around the core loop. And so just to kind of give an example, the core loop of a game might like a core loop of a fantasy game might be to um, go into dungeons and kill monsters and take their treasure. Mm -hmm. Right. Not every session has to be about dungeon crawling, but most of you know, them most be. of them most of them will be. Yeah. Okay. Now some games don't really have super strong core loops and so you kind of make them what you need to you know, you make them what you need to be during your session 0. Yeah. So like um that uh you didn't say about the settings though. So like um if you are playing Wait, Dungeons what do you mean I didn't say? Huh? Yeah, I said some settings. I I went back and said some games. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. It works. Okay. Um <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure where we're going here. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so that'd be like if you think about Dungeons and Dragons, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and Forgotten Realms, like they're you know beyond like here is a fantasy world. I don't know what's the core loop to that. If you play it with Emily, then you're going to be playing politics. If you play it with other yeah. people, you're probably going to be fighting monsters. Like you know, so it's very broad. Well, and so you have to kind of, because the game doesn't prescribe it, yeah. you really need to kind of come up with it in your session zero. Yeah, exactly. All right. So other settings and games are much tighter about this, right? Much more deliberate. Right. So if we start talking about Tales from the Loop, this is a game that is about kids solving weird science-based mysteries. Uh, yep. Like, that's it. Done. Like, that that's, is that's what the game is about. Very focused. Yep. <laughs> So now, if we're using the setting for another game, it may have its own core loop. Right. And so a good game will have the mechanics that support the same core loop that you need in the setting. Right. right? And, and, that's, and that's the rub. Uh, now that we've swapped out the rules, because we're shipping this, right? We're shipping yep. this with another rule yep, set. Yep. Does the core loop of the game work with the new rules? Right. So if we got it working with a one-shot, then the answer is probably. But sometimes when we hack the one-shot, we're cutting corners to make things work. And then it may not actually be a good fit for the long term. Like you may have a square peg and a round hole and you shave the corners off the square peg, but it's still kind of a square with roundy corners. So it may <laughs> not <laughs> jam all the way into the round hole. <laughs> so how do we know what's a good fit? Well, we would like the rules of the game to directly engage with the elements of the core loop. So if we go back to Tales from the Loop, we're solving mysteries, which means that two major parts of the game need to be finding clues and understanding clues. So if we're looking at our rules that we picked, we're asking ourselves the question, are there mechanics for those two things? Right. So if we wanted to do the Tales from the Loop setting, but we wanted to do it with Savage Worlds, we would then look at that skill list and see what skills are there that our kiddos are going to use for finding clues and actually understanding what those clues mean. And then 
we would also look at the edges to see if there were any good ones that would support investigative play. Or that might be where we would be talking about creating some edges that are specific to this particular game that we're going to play. Absolutely. And the answer is, in case you're curious, Savage Worlds would do a okay job. It'd be yeah, pretty be okay. Fine. Not yeah. not spectacular, but it would do a pretty okay job. It has yeah. a skill for investigate, and it's got skills for knowledges. So you're finding and and a skill for notice. So you're finding clues and understanding clues are pretty much covered. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, with a couple custom edges, you could probably go a long way. Um, yeah. To make it fun. Okay. Um, the other thing we want to look at is advancement. So. The other thing that we do in campaigns, in a thing that players very much look forward to, is advancing their characters. Right. And for our shipped pair of rules and settings, it's mostly going to be a function of the rules of the game when we talk about advancement. Right. So um, in the shipped campaign, we want to look at how advancement works in the context of the setting. Our rule set is going to determine what and like how you advance and what you advance on a character. But we're more interested in how that fits with the setting in the core loop. So if we're trying to fit it in with the core loop. Right. So we know from what we were just talking about that our setting is um, helping to define the core loop of this particular, you know, session campaign game that we are playing. And we know that our characters are going to engage that core loop on a regular basis, right? Yeah, so what we need to look for is how you advance in the game actually fits with what you're doing in the core loop. Yeah, so if your setting is a political thriller, but your game advances by monsters killed, you've got a mismatch and nobody's ever going to get any experience and they will hate you. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to do some extra work, right? You're going to have to (laughs) hack it or like maybe this fit isn't really good for campaign play or you're going to have to do some hacking and figure out how to like give them experience for, you know political opponents defeated or something right all right so you also want to check to see what advances when a character advances and make sure that that also makes sense in the context of the core loop right so if you're playing this game and everything is ticking along in terms of gaining levels but your political characters are primarily advancing in combat tactic skills then you have a problem there too yeah. Now some now some games are you know just have like generic advancement like you advance advance your skills right. Right. Those are probably going to work out fine. But some are very focused and it's like when you advance you become like a better fighter. Right. Will also have an impact based on the core loop of your game. Yep. Now lastly, you want to make sure that your advancement works for the setting of the game. And in this case, mostly what you're looking at is the power curve of the game. And you're making sure that the power levels of the characters make sense in terms of the setting. Yeah. So when we talk about power curves, uh, some games have like a fairly flat power curve. Like Powered by the Apocalypse games don't really curve up sharply. Like characters that have advanced a, a bunch of times have a few more things than characters that don't. And it's kind of why like in Dungeon World, it's not a big deal if somebody dies and they make a new first level character and they're paired up with like, you know, the rest of the party's seventh level. Like you're just missing a, like one or two moves that like the other players have. Not that right. actually big of a deal. Yeah. But in D&D, there's actually a much steeper power curve. Yeah, it's an actual um, curve. It's an actual curve, right, that starts at, like, you know, very weak characters at the bottom and very competent characters in the middle and then starting to, like, you know, epic. Yeah. yeah, And then, like, this epic legendary thing at the top. 
Yeah. Um, and that's going to, th- those differences in power curves are going to make a difference based on your setting. Right. So if you have a setting that's like a dark, gritty fantasy world, and the second half of the power curve for the game that you are actually running it in gives you Dragon Ball Z characters, like, it's not going to stay together because yeah, so it's that's, just... <laughs> right, that's, like, so that's Warhammer fantasy, right? So, right. like... Warhammer fantasy is like super gritty, dark, like you start as like rat catchers and things like that. But if on the tail end of that, like, you know, you're, you know, channeling up enough power to like sunder a mountain. Right. Then it it kind of it breaks the setting is what happens. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just not the kind of power level that should exist in that setting. Right. And and again, this is a thing that's only revealed when we get into campaign play. Yeah. Because in our one shot. You never get there. We froze the characters at a certain level. Yep. An optimal level. Yep. The one that worked for the setting. <laughs> right. But then when we get into advancement, now, like all of a sudden, we, you know, we've kicked over this rock and revealed all these other problems. And so, you know, you may need to do something like where you say, like, this, this campaign can only go to X level because we're still in the good part of the power curve, right? Like, right. Um, if we guys, go any higher than, you, you know, top out at level eight, right? Yeah. Like, if we go any higher than level eight, like the setting starts to break down in right. terms of, re, you know, being true to the setting anymore. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So with those things shored up, you are well on your way to making your dream campaign one for the books. And when we talk about uh, dream campaigns, we must be getting close to the end of the show. But before we do, Send is going to tell us about another awesome show in the Misdirected Mark Network. Yep. In Down with D&D, Chris and the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D&D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. Are you down with D&D? Hey, Senda. Where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. And if you prefer, you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. <laughs> so, Phil, what once they have that information, what can they do with it? Please, by all means, send us your topics. We love getting your topics. And as Blake Ryan Batman will tell you, even if you send them and we haven't talked about them, dreams do really come true <laughs> and we will pull them off the list at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please send us your topics. We love to talk about the things that you're interested in and we'll talk about them in a variety of ways, but our preferred way is to talk about them in the context of campaigns and one shots. True Say, Senda, facts. What is something else people can do? with our social media that we uh, also dig. Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time you are sitting down at your table, especially if you've done something like move a setting or set up a specific setting from a, a media license or whatever it is, and you've put it into a game system, we want to hear about it. So snap a shot of you playing that game with those awesome people. Uh, hashtag at table selfie and pop it on the social media of your choice. Twitter is the easiest one for us to find it because Facebook's got all sorts of restrictions on visibility and blah, 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 blah. But we will do our best wherever you post it and we will swing by and like it. 
We will indeed. And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please check out our Patreon campaign. Come to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of awesome stuff. Access to uh, the show notes for this show, the access to the bonus outtakes, the after show from Misdirected Mark, Mm -hmm. uh, and various goodies um, that we put together from time to time that we like throw out to our patrons. Like, I'm pretty sure the Misdirected Mark patrons are going to get to see your 200-word RPG, right? Yeah, I think they actually already did. Yeah, it's out so there. See? The pretty version. The pretty version. The pretty version, right. Yeah. No one else has the pretty version other than our patrons. Yes. And that's what, you know, membership has its benefits. Uh, also, uh, you get access to our Slack room for life. So you can join our Slack channel and talk to our awesome, awesome people. And uh, all that, all those goodies. We also like to give some shout outs to our patrons from time to time. And so we're going to give out three shout outs today. You want to do the first one? Sure. Eric Bonds. The Duke of Gators, also fondly known as the Wear Gator. Camden Wright, thank you so very much for your patronage. Thanks, Camden. You run an awesome game. And 40 Below. Thanks, 40 Below. Ah, Senta. Uh-huh. If you are already patroning our show or you are unable to, which is always totally fine, there's another thing you can do that we totally love. God, we love it. And I don't think it's happened in a little while. It hasn't. It makes me sad. It hasn't happened sad. in a little while. So um, if, 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 if you're so inclined, what's the thing that you can do that makes us uh, all warm and bubbly and lovey? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, if you leave it somewhere else, let us know because we would love to see it. They really do make us feel all warm and fuzzy like a red and black and white all over panda blushing. We super duper appreciate everyone who already has. Thank you guys so much. It really does make us warm and fuzzy inside and encourage us to keep doing what we're doing. Thank you. Say, Senda. Show me how you're going to merge Star Wars with Honey Heist. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey. And I'm here. And this time I have waveforms. Yes, the aborted the aborted audacity attempt has uh uh, has been scrubbed clean and this new one is in place. No one will Ooh, ever I was know. Pinging up a little high. No one will ever know. I think I'm all right. Close to my mic is never a critique that I ever get. No, from no, you're fine. You're totally fine. I always tweak your audio up in relation to mine and then level it out. Because also sometimes yeah. you, you do this. You're like, oh, I'm just going to do this while I talk to you. Oh, oh I'm just going to be over here somewhere. <laughs> that's the dop- That's the, the Doppler effect. <laughs> yeah. This is the Doppler game mastering advice. <laughs> I, I'm providing jamming advice so fast that I just pass it and keep going. <laughs> Some quality outtake material we got right here. 
and your, kind of your, thing. Your mic is very focused in like one specific direction. Yeah, if if my mic was a breath weapon, right? Like it would be. Um, <laughs> if my mic was a breath weapon, it would be like a blue dragon, right? Because I think that's a single line, right? Your mic is like more. Your mic is, um, I think, what is it, like a red dragon, a cone? Right, it's a cone. It's definitely a cone. <laughs> yeah, my my mic is definitely like a blue dragon. Like, you got to be, like, right in front of this thing. Bloop. I was going to say microphones as dragons. That yep, was a good... Microphones as uh, dragons. Yeah. That's good. I was going to say you went and saw Solo today, yeah? You went and saw it yesterday. I totally did. <laughs> you totally know we can't talk about oh, it. Oh, damn it. That's really, really true. <laughs> Bloop. It's exactly like Dragonlance, right? Uh yeah, exactly. Like or the Forgotten first, Realms. The honestly. first three the first three books of Dragonlance, amazing. The Great. second three books, even better. Mm. Um mm. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I it's they were pretty good. Uh, it's hard. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. We can we can disagree on that. There, I mean, we're talking about like tenths of a point difference. Yes. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In awesome. Exactly. Um the summer twilight book or whatever it yeah, was the summer the fire thing where they decided to you know burn everything yeah. and then and then all of the like because then also i mean at least that was still margaret weiss and tracy hickman but then you get into right and that book was that book was later yeah right? it was a way bunch of stuff later. happened before that way um, later there were good books throughout the series before it started like getting all weird. Like yeah. the uh, Huma book. Um, like there were a lot of good ones and I'm trying to remember the author. I forget her name, but she had a good run of like of books about gold moon and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I, Some of those are really good. Oh God. I can't remember her name. It's I used to know me. that song. Oh, the, the gold moon song, because there was a whole book of Dragonlance music. Yes, I was obsessed to that level. I did have the book of music. Bloop. I have to look now at the Dragonlance novels because if I don't figure out the name of this this author, I'm going <laughs> to die. Gene Robbie. That's who it was. Bloop. Okay, good. So we won't dig any deeper into that. Yeah. It is a spoiler-free It is a spoiler free review of Solo. Yep, except we just told okay. him it was spoiler-free after we talked about the movie for 10 minutes. <laughs> I know, but we should... But you'll figure out how to nah, I'll just put that. it in at the end it'll be great <laughs> there we go Bloop. origins two weeks oh we should just tell people real quick yeah come um, play our games is let that me, what you're gonna tell people <laughs> yeah not just that okay Bloop. just to run through the schedule um this episode drops on the fourth mm-hmm. and that will be <clears throat> a um that that will be this episode that you're listening to on the 11th will be a grab bag episode um because we will be gearing up for origins the 18th will be a grab bag episode that we will have recorded pre, uh, before we go to origins we're actually going to double up uh, and record yeah. two episodes There's in one be week an a show and a b show again for the first time in forever uh actually it's gonna be on two different days oh we're yeah yeah okay back. never mind i forgot yeah we're gonna we do them on two that. different days Right. You're just going to get the first one done and then we're going to do the second one on a Friday, whatever. So, th- so the 18th is going to be a um, pre-recorded, like it'll have been recorded before we went to Origins um, and packaged. And then the 25th will be us kind of recapping Origins, which will be a little weird because it'll be like two weeks after right. Origins. But, but whatever. Um, but we're, we're not doing mm-hmm. it on the 18th because uh, you'll be, um, we can't record. You'll be flying. Yeah. Um, and I'll, you know, and then we'll both just be recovering. So, yeah. 
bloop. We're going to record a update show um, about how Origins went, and you'll all hear that on the 25th. And then in July, we'll get back into uh, all sorts of normal stuff. Bloop. Well, well, well. It is just you and I, audience, while Sunday gets her inhaler. What can I tell you? I'm playing a lot of Marvel Strike Force. It's been kind of my self-care. And uh, the game is eternally fun for me. I'm having a lot of fun playing it. And um, I did that. I took some naps this weekend. Uh, I like afternoon naps. I really do. I don't. I think I've always liked afternoon naps, but maybe I'm just old. But uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like just dozing off for a nap, kind of like one of my favorite things. So... I did get some naps in. Um, I did get some naps in this week. Uh, this weekend, that was a lot of fun. So, oh, she's she's back. Hang on. Oh, Pretend like nothing God. happened. Bloop. Were you talking? Was I talking? You'll have to wait and <laughs> find out. edit the audio to find out. <coughs> oh, are you going to take the hit for us on the on air? On air, I guess so. Yeah. <coughs> oh, you okay? <coughs> Yeah, it's just really. You funny. went and mowed the lawn. I, you went and mowed the lawn. That's what's bugging you. Well, I took my allergy meds, but I think there might be something in this blanket that I put over me, which I am no longer putting over me. Because <clears throat> it started as soon as I got in this room and like put that over me and started getting really bad. Oh, that would just be the cat, then. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> Bloop. <clears throat> All right, I'm still going to have a little bit of a cough, but. Yeah, it's okay. Breathing, yeah. All right. Bloop. Let me know when you're ready. Meow. Meow. Or, in the case of having seen Solo. Let's <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> give you my Wookie. Wookie know, pause. Yeah, that Wookie Wookie pause. Okay. Except, see, I I told you that I was ready, and then you didn't start. Bloop. <laughs> boom boom i swear that Perfect. i play more games than just magical girls Bloop, but it's time things are gonna get easier someday things get brighter what are you doing dance off bro <laughs> and break it down <laughs> So, Phil, what do we know? What? Not like my what metaphor. The, that was a. I, I, I got nothing. I got. I got nothing on. I got nothing for that. I just Bloop. kind of a squarish, roundy thingy. No, it's still a square with rounded corners. Like, it's still a no. square, though. Like, you kind of manage yeah. to jam it in for the one shot, but it won't actually push all the way in because it's still a square. Yeah, and I mean, truthfully, <laughs> you always want to push it all the way in. Wow. <laughs> wow. We just weren't quite R-rated enough tonight, were we? <laughs> Bloop. That, we just did that panda thing again. Which panda the black thing? and white and red. Red all over. <laughs> Where we just both answered it completely differently <laughs> completely and then you're just looking at each other like, like um, uh, you were awkward. not. Why were you not mind melding with me in that moment? <laughs> yes. Why were you talking about D&D when, you know, Philip was talking about, you know, OPP, right? Like, that's weird. Okay. <laughs>
much like Blake Ryan Batman, um, why are you making faces? Because I didn't throw you the thing. You were just supposed to keep going. I was like, what the hell, Sunday? You didn't say the thing that you're supposed to say after the thing. I'm a consummate professional. When you screw up the closing, <laughs> I'm just like picking it up and doing it. I know. But, but then you, you had to make the face. I and wasn't then you making faces. All. I was talking to no, myself. You absolutely was... were making a face. Was there was like that. a whole face going on over there. <laughs> It was a face. It was self-berating. Okay, carrying on. So, Phil, once they have that information, what can they help? Yeah, I'll just let you do it. <laughs> Try again. Is he uh, still? Candid- is he still the Duke of Gators, or is he the beefness of Gators? There was some discussion. Uh, I mean, the gate. Oh no, or- it was the Gator of beefness. No, you, no, you know what you should do? You should do it like you should do it like you know, uh, set of titles, right? So he's the Duke of Gators. Um, the Baron of Beefness. Of beefness. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Bloop. 40, 40 below, below zero? Um, is a gangster rapper? I, the, like, I don't know. Like, it sounds good, right? Uh, sure. It sounds great. Drop, it sounds yeah, cold. 40 below. Sounds cold. Yes. Yes, it does. Bloop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Delete, delete, delete. Delete, 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 delete. delete. <laughs> um, it really do make us feel all warm and fuzzy, like a red and black and white all over panda, um, blushing, blushing, blushing. Um, shit, I give up. <laughs> I just give up. Well, um, I think it's gonna be called. Wookie heist and <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's good, it's good. Show me what you got. Yeah. Show me what Show you me got. Show me what you got. Show, Show me, what you... me what you got. Uh, uh, yes, I speak a little Wookie. Make a little Wookie noise. Hey, fifty six minutes, that's not terrible. I know we should just stop now. We should. This episode is a mess. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye.